It's funny, we've been watching uh, Riverdale, the uh-huh. teen soap opera set in the Archie universe. You have been watching that? Yeah, I wasn't lying when I said that. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like a thing that shouldn't be watched. I watch almost every show on the CW right now. I don't understand that. The CW has such a terrible impression to me. I think I don't, you, I don't yeah, watch any of their shows, yeah. but if when someone's like, oh yeah, this is a CW show, I'm like, oh God, are you 12 year old? So A, the CW is very different than it was 10 years ago. It is, it has changed significantly, uh-huh. but more so like it's got some amazing TV shows on it. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Jane the Virgin are two of my favorite shows right now. That are currently airing. Okay, I didn't know Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was on the CW, but I've heard from people that whose opinions I respect that that's a very good show. It's an amazing show. I mean, I also respect your opinion, but I <laughs> am comfortable disagreeing with your opinion when you say you like things like the show about Archie. Riverdale. Riverdale. Yeah, it's got Archie on it. Although, uh, they did something in the last episode of Archie I watched. I think I'm still behind. But it made me a little mad. So... Archie, the comics universe, as you well know, has changed dramatically over the last 10, 15 years. Yes, I do well know that. Yeah, sure. I know. know. My entire experience of Archie is looking at covers in grocery store checkout lines. That's that's a lot of people's experience of Archie, but Archie's been around forever. uh, Right. And And it looks like it. For a long time of that, it was exactly the same. Uh, And that was their brand was we never change. Right. Uh, And that was primarily because the head of the, we'll say Archie mega family i don't know the guy who owned the rights <laughs> was very dictatorial about that the archie estate yeah not named archie but other than that yeah and five or ten years ago they started he died and the people who took over were like let's do something good with this instead hmm. and so they did a lot of different things uh one of their more famous ones was they did a series called life with archie which followed two alternate timelines, one where he married Betty and one where he married Veronica, and both of those were going simultaneously for a number of years Cool. in the same comic. Yeah. Uh, they did Afterlife with Archie, which is uh, involves zombies and Frankensteins, and, I mean, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is a canonical character in the Archie universe. Right. Although she has not shown up yet in Riverdale, although every episode I got my fingers crossed. Oh, season, really want, season finale reveal. I really want Sabrina to show up. That's when the CW would do a thing like that, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, more than likely. Yeah. But the show also feels like it is almost supernatural all the time. The show Supernatural? The show, no, it feels like it, I mean. It has supernatural qualities. Like it feels like I'm going to turn a corner and there's going to be a werewolf. Okay. There have been no werewolves. Isn't that just like the CW vibe? Well, I mean, a lot of the CW shows have werewolves. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not wrong. Okay. But uh, if a teenage witch is a canonical part of the universe, then like, yeah, anything's possible. Yeah, but they don't have any witches on the show so far. They do have Josie and the Pussycats as characters mm. and Archie and Jughead and Betty and Veronica, of course. And then the guy who likes the hamburgers, is that Jughead? That's Jughead. Okay. Jughead loves hamburgers. Yeah. And Jughead does not love sexual relationships. Okay. Jughead is canonically asexual or ace. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He came out a couple years ago. It was, it was kind of a really cool thing because there are so few 
ace characters in media Anything. at all. Is this, this is part of the fresh, new, modern Archie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they had their first gay character named Kevin. Uh, he came out a couple years ago, which was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and does interesting things. But the TV show uh, just had, like, Archie, like, super kiss somebody. And I was, and, like, Amy literally turned to me and she goes, not Archie, sorry, Jughead kissed oh. somebody. Archie kissing people is normal. That's, right, that's kind of his thing. He, he does like kissing people. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, for a while in the in the season, he he kissed his teacher a lot, and that was bad. Mm. I was, it, and they dealt with it eventually, but not in a like satisfactory way. What show? What network was Pretty Little Liars on? Was that CW? That was ABC Family. It was ABC Family back before it was Freeform. Because that's the show I had seen some of that had yeah. students getting down with teachers that maybe Archie at least like got to the point where like this is bad and has to stop and they stopped it good there were no lasting repercussions for the rape and that's a problem but sure at least she's gone okay that's good and so Jughead kissed somebody Jughead kissed somebody like initiated the kiss as well like not Jughead got kissed by somebody was like no thank you right he was like I want to kiss this person and now I have kissed this person just went for it yeah, and Amy literally turned to me and she goes, I thought Jughead was ace. So have the show not previously acknowledged that he's no, ace? No, it hadn't. So are they just going to ignore that? I think they're seemingly? just going to ignore that. Because it's... yeah, Because it's a teen soap opera and the teens got to want to do boning. But also, you could... Mm-hmm. It would be great if they acknowledged it explicitly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you could also just not give that character any sexual relationships to pursue and just like just never tell those stories for that character yeah. and then they can implicitly be ace and that would be something at least right but, yeah and which is not to say i, I want to throw in here ace people are allowed to kiss other people like that's definitely oh okay like kissing school your sexuality is what you want it to be so there's there's asexual there's demisexual there's lots of variants and you can call yourself whatever you want and kiss or have sex with anyone you want and still be ace like i'm not going to take that identity away oh really yeah most people most ace people don't but i some don't people, okay yeah i don't know anything about this you say asexual and it sounds like you don't do anything with your body with another person. well so i am not at all the person to talk about this uh-huh. first of all let's so, get two straight white dudes <laughs> yeah who heterosexual yeah, yeah two heterosexual just, cis dudes to talk about complicated other things yes so i'm speaking from the knowledge i have but i will gladly <laughs> shut up and listen to other people when they want to tell me what's actually going it on sounds like more knowledge than mine yeah uh, which is why i'm talking to you <laughs> right. and not to someone who actually lives this experience who goes kevin just stop right someone tell kevin to stop and tell me what's going on yeah that would be better but um a number of people who I, you know, either follow on the internet or um, just am aware of have come out as asexual. Uh-huh. Uh, one of whom, you know. Uh, Mikey, right? Mikey Newman. Yeah, I knew that. And it was kind of a big deal when he came out. And lots of people were fine with it. And I'm sure some people weren't because people are dumb. And mm-hmm. it's like he's literally not having sex with anybody. <laughs> like, I don't know what the... It's like, like I, 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 true duly under, I, I truly understand why people get upset about anything that's not what they what want. I am. Yeah. But like it's a real stretch <laughs> to be upset with someone who's ace. It's like I'm just going to not do things and you're like, that's wrong. You have to do them. <laughs> um but no so so asexual people 
don't find anyone sexually attractive is is the broadest way I can put that. Okay. Which is not to say they cannot become physically aroused. It's not to say that they cannot have sex because they are with someone who wants to have sex and they want to have sex with that person because that person wants it and they want to do it. Like okay. that's like they're not incapable of it, but generally they, they, they're not interested in it. It takes up zero processing cycles. <laughs> They're computers? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, which is actually a terrible stereotype about asexuals. And <laughs> now I like feel robots, bad. Yeah. <laughs> and now I feel bad for using that metaphor. Um, uh, that's very interesting. So in the way that like I consider myself to be heterosexual because mm -hmm. I find women attractive, mm -hmm. you're asexual if you just don't find you generally don't find anyone regard like yeah. the gender doesn't matter, you just don't find them attractive. You don't you go, man, that's someone I would like to have sex with ever. But you can still engage. Yeah. That's hmm. where consent is really important. Like say, Hey, would you like to do this? And if they say yes, you can do the thing. Right. Yeah, but sometimes they'll say no. And then you say, okay. And then you get on with your life. <laughs> no, uh, write a blog post about why you're so upset about it. Tweets. If you're, if you're like 15, you can do that. Other, after 15, that is not allowed anymore. After 15, you have to man thread about it on Twitter. <laughs> I still want man threading to be about getting your eyebrows threaded if you are a dude. That's still what I want it to be about. Yeah, I want a salon to open called man threading. Yeah. And it's where it's I mean, I have a unibrow. I could probably do with some man threading. You'd go to man thread yeah. and get your... Man threads with a Z? Man th oh, yeah. <laughs> I would I would go to a I would I would go to a barber called Man Threads. Like if they if they did the full like, you know, beard treatment that I do when I go to a barber, but also did eyebrow threading. Can it also be a men's uh custom tailor? Because it's I have no problem with that. Yeah. And you get things. I, mean, I don't I don't so buy custom clothes. An, an alterationist. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Cover it all. They use they'll they'll do your eyebrows, and then with the same thread, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll hem fix your a, pants. Uh, a thing on your pants. Yeah, yeah. that's good. It's good. I would go there. <laughs> uh, I kind of I went to the barber recently. I don't know if you can tell. Uh -huh. but my beard is your, a little. Your beard's more a little um, little trimmer. Yeah, a little more uh, kempt. Yeah, I would say it's more yeah. kempt because I don't kemp it very often. No, but I went to a fancy wedding, which I think I told you about. Right, we talked about it. Yeah, um, when I went to get my beard done, and like every time I go to this barber, who does a good job like i'm happy with him i've gone to him a few times now mm -hmm. he, he kempts my beard roll right up <laughs> but every time i'm in that space i get all like angry about masculinity <laughs> being in a barbershop well being in like he is he is his barbershop is very much styled to be like an old-fashioned barbershop where men come and get men threaded <laughs> Um, right and right. like he's got a he doesn't i don't think he's a barber pole but he's got a sign and it's it's a very hipster barber it's manufactured to have it that is. effect um and every person i've seen getting their haircut there is getting the nazi haircut oh and i'm just like Ugh. and not everyone with that haircut has a, is a nazi but too many Nazis have that haircut, and so I always have that sort of like, yeah, eh, where it's like long and swept back on the top, and the very short sides with a lot of product in it to keep yeah. it nice and slick. Yeah. Um, and whoever's every time someone's been in that chair before me, it's been someone getting a haircut like that. Yeah, um, it's a sharp look. It, I mean, it's popular; people enjoy it. I can't get mad at them for doing whatever they want with their hair. Right. Uh, but Richard Spencer has ruined that haircut for me. Yep. And so I'm in this like 
uber masculinized space to get my beard trimmed and a, mm-hmm. a beard trimming is a very quote unquote masculine thing. Oh yeah. And like, I just, it feels bad. Right. <laughs> like this, this manufactured, like not quite toxic masculinity, but definitely close to it. Right. And I'm like, I, I shouldn't have to go to like a dude barber to get my dude beard trimmed it's, by a dude. It's <laughs> not, it's not that it's like so masculine. Mm-hmm. It's that it's so exclusively masculine. Yeah. Right. Like, it's not like you're like pounding beers and screaming about football or, no. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but although there is sport cuts, if you would like to do that while getting your hair cut. Yeah, true. Um, but it's, but it's such a manufactured male space. Right. And, and unnecessarily so. Exactly. Like the guy who's doing it is a barber. Like he went to barber school and he cuts hair and he likes to cut certain hairstyles that are probably popular with dudes and likes to do straight razors, straight razor shaves. And I get all of that. Right. But like I, part of me wants to just go somewhere else where I can just like be in a space and not have to worry about what you're participating in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to a lady barber. I, I, I went to Floyd's ninety nine a while ago, and I might do that again because it was pretty nice. Yeah, and didn't have that. It was still kind of hipstery, but it was not like. Do Do you get uh, Do you get like weird looks or confusion from? either the barber or the other patrons in the barbershop because you're not like, you're not the kind of person who's there to get a Nazi haircut. And I think so. Are they like, what's he doing here? So he's not a, he's not a 20 something like, like tech bro who's working for a yeah, social media startup. It's in certainly Austin true. Doing some dumb South by thing right now. Um, a little bit. I think so. At both times I've gone there and like sat down, he has been shocked at the length of my hair. It's unusually long. I mean, I do have a lot of hair. Yeah. Like that's like it's very long. And right. I, I know that. And I don't go there to get my hair cut because I get my hair cut about once a year. Right. Um But like he has commented on it both times and and always and not necessarily in like a derogatory way, but like a sort of huh sort of way. <laughs> how how can they not? Right. Yeah. Like he's there to cut hair all day yeah. and everyone else has different hair than you. So it, I mean that I don't feel like uncomfortable in that sort of way. Yeah. But it, it's like I feel out of place in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely because that. it's it's such a singularly gendered experience when it doesn't have to be, and it's, it's exclusively a men's barbershop. Like, no, no, as far ladies. as I know, I mean, it, I I don't think he has like pricing for long hair cuts, right? Uh, yeah, hmm. it feels like an exclusively male barber. Yeah. I can definitely understand why that's a yeah. weird experience. And so after I got my beard trim, I went home and painted my nails. <laughs> as a, like a, a cleansing. Not as a direct cleansing, but right. like definitely I was like, okay, now I got my beard all done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint my nails. I'm going to a fancy wedding. I'm going to have painted nails. Nice. They look nice. Thank you. Got they're a- they're chipped and dumb because I didn't put a top coat on them. But yeah, but you got it. It's a nice, uh, nice like rich blue. Yeah, it matched my tie and my pocket square. Oh, so that was, okay. it was all, it all went well together. Did you buy a, a new polish that matched the color? No, I just had a blue. I like, I've got, I've got like three or four, like just solid. Like I've got a solid green, a blue, uh, a black. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple like fancy colors that are also nice, but I didn't use those because they didn't match my tie. Do you ever do nail art? I have never done nail art on myself because I can barely paint my own nails. <laughs> it seems very difficult. Yeah. I've never done it. Well, I'm going to go get, uh, I, as far as I know, we're going to go get Manny Petties before my sister's wedding. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I might get some nail art done then. I don't know if I do it on my hands, but definitely on my toes. Yeah. 
It's pretty cool. Yeah. Is uh is Amy a nail painter? Not really, no. 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 I don't if she owns nail polish, I don't know it. <laughs> if she wanted some, she'd borrow yours. I mean mine's not very good. I I buy the cheap stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh well. She could borrow mine if she wanted to. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you about my barbershop experience yeah. recently. Did you go to the barber recently? I went what day is it today? Monday? I went yesterday. Mm-hmm. Actually. And my hair was getting fairly long, um, which makes it super annoying. I'm very like sensitive to how annoying my hair can be, mm-hmm. especially when like the, like it's just, my hair, it just, it grows out and it just doesn't like Afro the way like Afros are supposed to. It's just frizzy, wavy, <laughs> uncontrollable poof around my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was definitely time for a haircut. Uh, so I went yesterday. The problem was is, I don't love the way my hair looks after it's cut. I think it just looks kind of dorky. I just like to have it all nice and short and manageable. Mm-hmm. And then it gives me a couple months of growth before it's so annoying again that I have to get it cut. Mm-hmm. But lately, I've enjoyed how the my hair feels when it's kind of long on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's nice to like run my fingers through it. I thought it looked kind of nice, but it's just all this mess on like the back and sides. That's yeah. been all chaotic and terrible. Um, so I was like, let me mix it up this time. I'm not just going to tell them to cut it all uniformly shorter. I had them cut it shorter on the sides and the back and left it a little bit longer on top. Mm-hmm. And I was very afraid of getting anything that approximated <laughs> the Nazi haircut. Yeah. Or what's almost as bad is the fuckboy haircut. I don't think I know this one, which is it's less, um, it's, it's not the Nazi. It's close to the Nazi haircut. If I Google this, will I be sad? Yeah, but you'll <laughs> you'll see exactly what it is. It's similar to the Nazi haircut in that it's like the long, but it's the fuckboy haircut is a little like messier and unkempt on top, but it's nice and long and definitely carefully quaffed and flowing and whatnot. But then like nice and short on the, yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. Um, that one? That one's one of them. Yeah, but you yeah, you usually get like the clean part line mm-hmm. on the side and it's all okay. blended into your stupid beard or whatever. <laughs> Not a man bun. Um that was a terrible man bun photo you to show me. That's kind of the essential fuckboy okay. haircut. I gotcha. Um I'll put a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> but I was really afraid of that. And so I'm glad I don't really think I got No, I think I don't think they went short enough on the sides for that really to hit. Right. Thankfully, yeah. but also my hair is not, I don't put product in or style my hair anywhere near carefully enough for it to look mm-hmm. like that. That helps. It's still just like. It takes a lot of work. Chaos on top. Yeah. <laughs> it's hair. Right. Um, my experience at the barber was fine. I go, I don't go to a, uh, I used to go to a very like masculine, mm-hmm. just a old barber dude and a bunch of men waiting yeah. in the lobby looking at sports magazines yeah um but now i go to birds which is hipstery yeah it's very austin very austin um eat your free beer it's too expensive uh but they do a fine haircut yeah and it's very close and it works what does a haircut cost at birds 25 dollars. is that expensive I mean, I used to go to a barber in Massachusetts and I paid $15 for a haircut. Okay. And it was a lady barber. Yeah. Um, but the, and then, yeah, I, the first place I lived in Massachusetts was $15 and it was a lady barber and it was awesome. And the second place I lived in Massachusetts was like 
20 bucks and it was the male only yeah. barbershop experience. yeah i went uh like i i cut my hair once a year maybe mm-hmm. about once a year because i have long hair like it takes effort and time to like cut and style and so like last time i got it, it was like 80 bucks wow um no i bought some i bought some product and i had a beard trim as part of that so it was a whole thing mm-hmm but like I do it so rarely that I don't have a like gauge for what I should be paying. Right. It doesn't feel like a like any kind of routine cost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I bought, I got the haircut, I got a beard trim, and I bought some beard oil at the time, and that was a total of like eighty bucks, including the tip. So yeah. like I was like, that seems reasonable. Right. I don't know how much these cost. Um, I think of things like that in terms of. These like vaguely repetitive costs. Mm-hmm. I think of it in terms of like how many Netflixes yeah. does this cost me? Because if I get it, I get my hair cut between every two and three months. Yeah. And it's like $25, $30 each time mm-hmm. the tip. And so I think of that as like, it's about a Netflix, right? It's about $10 a month. Yeah. And that helps me understand like, <laughs> how much is this costing me? Like, oh, like, got to go pay $30 for a haircut. And I'm like, eh. It's just another Netflix in my life. There you go. Like, is is having hair that is not Tarzan yeah. worth the same amount of value as having Netflix? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's probably worth it. And all I have to do is pay for a Netflix. There you go. So, yeah, it's worth it. Worth it to get a haircut. Speaking of, I'm starting to build my own Netflix. Oh, right. You're doing your Raspberry Pi stuff. Yeah. I'd love so to I hear got, about this. I got the Raspberry Pi set up. So I got it. Um, I bought it. Basically on a whim. I've been wanting to do it for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but I was I was in Dallas with my parents, and I was on Amazon. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna buy it. No, I, that's what, this, what spurred it on. A new version of the Raspberry Pi came out. Uh, the Raspberry Pi Zero W. So that came out, and you saw it, and were like, okay, I'll buy it now. Well, I didn't buy that one. I bought it. I bought the one I'd wanted to buy, which is the slightly more expensive one. So oh, gotcha. a year or so ago, uh, Raspberry Pi, the company or whatever came out with the Raspberry Pi Zero. Um, and before this was Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi 2, Raspberry Pi 3, and a couple of A and B models on those. This is a calorie-free one? Basically, yeah. So the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B, which is the most bestest one, this is the one I eventually bought, is $35. It's got a gig of RAM, uh, a decent processor, uh, and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth built in. So like all nice things for and for thirty five bucks it's a steal, a gig of RAM. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God, I paid a hundred dollars for like a five twelve card one time when I was young, and I remember. Yeah. That. Oh yeah. Man. Um, and you have to buy an SD card to put the OS and everything else on, and that's fine. Like that's you know thing. And if you want to buy a case, buy a case. And I did, and that was like eight bucks. Mm-hmm. But the Raspberry Pi Zero came out as sort of the lowest, cheapest model they could come out with. And it's $5. What? No Bluetooth, no Wi-Fi, but it's got an SD card slot. It's got some RAM. You can hook up, you know, I think USB ports on it. And what, HDMI out to a display? I think so. I don't know if it's got HDMI or, or what it has out, but it's got something. $5. $5. For a computer. Yeah. Uh, and it was when they announced it by putting these, putting Raspberry Pi Zeros. I'm going to pull up the uh, the actual specs on it. Mm-hmm. They put the Raspberry Pi Zero in a magazine. 
So there was a magazine, I don't remember what it was, but there was a magazine that you could go buy and it had a Raspberry Pi Zero in it. And they sold out immediately. Like as soon as somebody right. found out about this, they sold out. Uh, and so anyway, the five-year anniversary was the Raspberry Pi five-year anniversary. Or five-year anniversary was a couple weekends ago and they released the Raspberry Pi Zero W. Cool. Which I think has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and is $10. Oh my gosh, twice the price. Yeah, so the Raspberry Pi Zero is half the size of the Model A+. Plus. It's got a uh, one gigahertz single core CPU, 512 megs of RAM, mini HDMI port, micro USB OTG, micro USB power, a 30 pin header, uh, composite video and reset headers, and a CG CSI camera connector. So it is a little bitty tiny $5 computer. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, the Zero W just came out with added techno, te, uh, added things like uh, 802.11 BGN uh, wireless blue, and Bluetooth 4.1 and Bluetooth low energy. Cool. So you can do more with it for $10. It's amazing to me that like this market existed. Yeah. Like I don't, was, I don't know if anyone was really serving it before Raspberry Pi. I mean, like there's, the, been, there's been tiny computers for a while, but Raspberry Pi is really the best known and most popular yeah like completely optimized for size and cost yeah and people love them they're because you're amazing because when you can buy a computer for five or ten dollars yeah it just do a little thing with it you can do a bunch of little you cool can just things. be like no oh, i got this like little thing i want to do let me yeah. buy a computer to do yeah that. yeah well and people do like the real like uh, like fancy home automation people do it with like things like raspberry pies right yeah the the <laughs> Step above general consumer yeah. home automation stuff. Yeah. You know, above the, the Philips lights is you get your own lighting system and have it hooked up to a bunch of computers throughout your home that you have full control over. Right. Um, but it was, I mean, so I got, the, I got the big one. I bought it on a whim. I bought a kit because there's a few people that make kits. Mm -hmm. So it came with the computer, a couple of heat sinks, a case, a ca an HDMI cable, and a power supply. So I had all of those things just at once. Right. And I, bought, I didn't come with the HDMI cable. I had to buy that. Um, but then I just hooked up a keyboard to it, just a USB keyboard, because mm -hmm. uh, it runs, well, it runs whatever you want it to run, but it's set up to run um, Raspbian, which is a Linux distribution, specifically for the Raspberry Pi, mm -hmm. which is a fork of Debian Linux. Okay. Um, and it's, a, it's got a GUI, like you can interface with it. It's pretty straightforward to use. Um, but I didn't put that on there. I was going to put, I found one called TriPi, which is an OS that was a combination of Raspbian, uh, OSMC, which is a media center uh -huh. yeah. OS, and RetroPi, which is a game center OS. Nice. Because I was like, I wanted to make, I want to make a media center. That was my ultimate goal and still is. Um, but I'm like, but I also have like this 360 controller I never do anything with. Like I could hook that up to it and like play old video games yeah uh, or i could just have you know being able to have raspbian on it i can just use it as a general purpose computer for those moments when i need to right and it's all very it's all relatively easy to set up like ideally it would take 20 minutes tops you get your sd card you plug it into a computer you format it correctly and you install an operating system on it mm -hmm. um, and there are literally step-by-step -step instructions on how to do this that make it incredibly easy and there's some very easy ones to use uh there's I don't remember what it's called, but it's like noobs. It's called noobs, <laughs> um, which is a new out-of-box system is what it's called. But it's it's the easiest one to set up because you you put that on, 
the SD card, you put in the SD card, you turn it on, and it'll help you set up the operating system. Right. Uh, which is very easy to do. But I'm like, I'm going to go a step further. I know how to use a command line. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get fancy. And so I download this TriPi OS, and I spent three hours trying to flash it and get it onto my hard drive, onto my Pi. Oh, no. And, like, I did, I was troubleshooting, and I like this as a project. Like, this is not something that I get mad about. Right. Um, it takes me back to when I was, like, building computers in eighth grade, like, right. that sort of stuff. But um, I'm like, okay, it's a challenge. Like, I got to figure out what's going on and, like, typing my symptoms into Google and seeing what I can find and what's going on. There's a difference between troubleshooting computer problems in that context and, like, I was trying to do something and my computer isn't working normally. Now I have to figure it out. Yes. Like, that's It's a very different, different experience. Right. And so finally, like an idiot, three hours in, I go look at the documentation for this operating system I'm trying to install. Mm-hmm. And it was last updated like two or three years ago. And the, the readme got replaced with this thing that says, hey, this OS is not being up to, updated or maintained anymore because the Raspberry Pi 3 just came out and I don't want to put the work into getting it to work on that. Oh. Well, only works on a Raspberry Pi 2. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Bummer. And so I do a little Googling and I find one else. I find one that I like. And I'm like, oh, I can put OSMC and Raspberry Pi on this together. There's a plugin you can get that moves it that lets you do both from the same OS. I'm like, I can do that. And so I install OSMC on this SD card and plug it in. And it works and it takes 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, no, actually I did. Before that, I did the noobs one. I went and flashed noobs just to make sure everything was working. I'm like, let me just make sure all of this exists. Like, there's not right. a hardware problem. I didn't get a, you know, an, a broken card. I didn't get any SD, ESD right. stuff to it. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in my underwear this entire time, I should point out, for ESD safety. Oh, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Cotton, right? Cotton underwear, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because that's... <laughs> I teach ESD safety courses. Right, yeah. I mean, I don't have a ground system set up, so... You're taking your ESD... Uh, seriously, you're wearing cotton underwear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you're naked. Naked is also an option. There you go. But, you know, our window blinds have holes. You're not a cat. So I'm in my <laughs> underwear. Uh, and so I flash noobs and it works fine. I'm like, oh, good. Okay, everything works. So I can put this other one on and I did that. Uh, and I now have it up and running. So I have the OS on that. I haven't put any media on it because I'm actually going to put that on an external hard drive okay. and, and pull it over. Because my SD card is 32 gigs. Which is not, not big enough, enough for a media. So I have a, I have a five terabyte hard drive. Right. I'm going to use. But I did install RetroPie and like 3,000 ROMs. Oh my gosh. So if you want to play any uh, NES games and 64 games or Sega Genesis games or SNES games, I have almost all of them. That's incredible. On a little $35 computer. And you're using your Xbox controller? Yeah, Xbox 360 controller. Like I could I could bring it over and we could play Mario Kart. That's super cool. It is. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so you, it's really fun to do that. But I'm also now ripping all of my DVDs, which is taking forever. Oh yeah, no kidding. And you so yeah, so you're gonna completely digitize your DVD library? As of right now, I'm gonna keep all the DVDs, but yes. Right. Did you ever get you were gonna get like a uh, like a binder book to like put them in. Yeah, I thought about that. I haven't done that yet. Like yeah. I'm, I'm right now. I'm just like get it all digitized. Right. Uh, you've seen my apartment. You've seen my. You've seen a portion of my DVD collection. Yep. There was a lot. Yeah. So you, you may remember there was a little shelf next to my computer, like the shorter of the shelves. Yeah. Um, I've gone through two shelves on that. Okay. 
that's how long it's taking. It takes a long time to rip a DVD. Yeah. But I'm patient. I just do a couple. I set it up and let it go. And I come check on it and do another one. Like right. it's, And there's little fidgety things along the way, but yeah. I'm, I'm not in a rush. Right. You'll get through it. Yeah. Um, so you and you enjoy this kind of like computer tinkering mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. You a Linux person in general? Do you ever, um, were you fiddling around with Linux distros and not never seriously. Mm-hmm. Like I, I took a computer course in undergrad where I learned command line and how to do that. And we did some stuff with Linux and C. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know I, I immediately changed majors after I finished that class. Not because of that, but like at the same right. time. Uh, and I, I picked up Learn Python the Hard Way, uh, which is an, an instruction book that, to teach you Python. Right. Uh, and he says, hey, if you don't know how to do command line stuff, go to the ind- or the, the appendix of this book, which is a bunch of lessons on how to get better at command line. Okay. Um, and so I did all that, and I'm good in, through the book. Like I'm maybe a third of the way through it. But... And and doing fairly basic stuff with Python, but so I'm I am okay in a command line yeah world. You I, you need zero command line experience to put to get a Raspberry Pi running, right? Like they've made it to the point where you don't really need that anymore, right? I don't really know any command line stuff at all. I just never learned it. Yeah, I know how to Google for command line things that can that's important. Do what I need. That, to do. Well, that's. That's 90% of coding is Googling the answer. Right. Google someone else's code. <laughs> yeah. And then copy and paste it. Yeah. Uh, fix what you need to and then go on with your life. <laughs> right. Um, but there was a time in my life where I used to enjoy that kind of uh, computer tinkery, I mm-hmm. think is like the best phrase for it. It just yeah. like messing around with computers hardware and software to just mm-hmm. do computer stuff yeah and see if i can figure out how to do this right like for its own sake yeah and i, I did i did do that with an old computer i i found and put ubuntu on it just to see if i could right right um but nowadays i'm much less just i'm a different person and so i don't i don't f- have the desire to like mess around with my computers that my computers are just impli- appliances mm-hmm. they exist and they do it i need them to do and i want them to just work and i don't want to mess with them um but i do i do have a lot of memories of like you know replacing the family pc and like taking the old one apart like very meticulously and carefully and like looking at all the hardware components and trying to connect them together in different ways and can i take this hard drive and connect it to this other thing and then like messing around with linux distros and Mm -hmm. trying to install different things and whatnot Uh, i was given a custom-built PC um, by my sister's boyfriend at the time. Cool but weird? Yeah, he was like, I don't... I think like he built himself a new one and was like, I don't want this anymore. And he was like, I want to be... Like, it was her college boyfriend. Like, me and my brother <laughs> were in high school and we were super into computers. And he was like, oh, I'll give them my old computer. And awesome. So we got this amazing computer. Uh and you know the stupid like big giant clear see-through light up case and everything oh yeah mandatory yeah um but it was really fun because we got to like like it was fun to like take that apart like i remember like buying some of my own components for it and upgrading it and whatnot but um yeah like i kind of i kind of miss that a little bit of like uh being a computer hobbyist Mm -hmm. in a way um man get yourself a raspberry pi yeah five or ten dollars i mean yeah you you the 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 I would go if you're going to get like the basic one to get the W. Yeah. 
But, but, but also, like, I don't know what I would want to do with it. Because, like, like I would I would get one if there was a problem I wanted to solve. But I don't know if I have a a problem that is solved by a computer that my current computers don't do. Just got to start looking for one. You'll find it. <laughs> right. That's the thing. Is like, yeah, you, you, you look for a problem as an excuse to get the thing. But I don't know. I mean, Retro Pie is pretty great. Like being able to have that all sounds, video games. That does sound cool. Because I, I could get, um, and I have just haven't gotten them yet, uh, ROMs for like a bunch of old MAME cabinets. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, so like all or, or arcade stuff, Atari 2600 and television. Yeah. Like all of those are out there and exist. And you can put them on a Raspberry Pi if you're yeah. determined enough. Doesn't even take that much work. Yeah. Because <laughs> RetroPie makes it super easy. Mm-hmm. You take a USB thumb drive. You put a, ra- a RetroPie folder on it. You plug it into the Raspberry Pi until it stops blinking, basically. Mm-hmm. You pull it out. You plug it into another computer. And it's pre-formatted all of the folders for you to drop your ROMs into. Oh, cool. So you open the N64. Drop all your N64 ROMs into it. Then you plug it back into your Raspberry Pi and goes, okay, and transfers all of those ROMs onto hmm. your SD card. Hmm. Where they go. That's pretty easy as far as computer tinkering it's, goes. It's stupid proof almost. Like it's Well, I mean like it's not it's still not like general consumer. It's like one or two steps removed though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Amy did point out that all of this is just magic to her. Right. See, like, yeah. I mean, for like, I'm like, I'm thinking about like real general consumer where mm-hmm. like they buy a brand new Mac and they open it up and they go, I don't know. I, this true. is too confusing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like super friendly, obvious GUIs are confusing to some people, yeah. but hey, that's why there's different products for different people. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think this like mentality started to change when I got my first Mac. Yeah, that'll do that. And like, and one of the things... Like, I remember one of the things when I had PCs, I had, like, Dell laptops. Mm-hmm. A series of Dell laptops. I still up. have a Dell laptop. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't touched it in years, but I have it. <laughs> it's, it exists. Um, I always wanted a Mac, mm-hmm. right? And so I would do things to try to make my Dell laptop more like a Mac. <laughs> you know, like mo- like modding Windows XP, and you can install different sure. icon sets and skins and things that change you know different windowing <laughs> utilities and blah 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 um like i have like a dock on yeah. my on xp you can do all kinds of stuff like that with these weird utilities and that was something i enjoyed doing and then i got a mac and it all was just nice and how i wanted it to be mm-hmm. but also very expensive yes and i and that kind of killed any like daringness i had and what i was willing to attempt with my computer because i'd be like hey i could you know go mess around with this and see if i can like maybe i can do this weird thing on my computer yeah. but then i'd be like eh, i paid a thousand dollars for this laptop i don't know if i want to mess with it i mean on the hardware side i certainly see that although it's funny because on the software side first of all like doing command line stuff is so much easier on a mac than it is in windows true because it's got a linux or a unix kernel right so like for learn Python the hard way, he's like, okay, here's how you set up your command line. If you're on a Mac open terminal done. <laughs> here's how you set up command line. If you're on windows, three pages of instructions, I didn't bother to read. Right. And I, uh, that makes me go, okay, 
down. <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, and and I'm doing things, and I know what I'm doing for the most part. I'm not going to screw anything up. So like I'm having fun with it. Right. There's um. There's this idea that I think, um, I first heard from Dan Benjamin, who's a podcaster. Sure, he runs the Five by Five Network and has done podcasts. That That's I a name to. I've heard. Um, but his whole computer philosophy, and I don't completely agree with this, but I thought it was really interesting and compelling. Is he he uses Macs and mm-hmm. he runs them as stock as possible. Okay. He adds as few applications as possible, changes the fewest settings as possible, because in his mind, he wants to be able to, like, get a new computer or go to someone else's computer or just, like, mm-hmm. go to the Apple Store and use a computer and have it be as familiar and understandable as possible. Because what happens a lot of the time is, like, if you if you have a computer for a couple of years and you slowly add applications and utilities and keyboard shortcuts mm-hmm. and customizations and all these things and eventually someone sits down at your computer and they think they know how to use a mac and they're like i don't what is going on here i don't know how to do any of this why is nothing behaving the way i expected it to he wants to his idea is avoid that confusion of i don't understand or know yeah, what that's to expect not a from problem this. i've ever dealt with <laughs> <laughs> but also because you are like because you're a tinkerer mm-hmm by nature already like you're okay with figuring out a newer or confusing yeah. system some people sit down and they go this keyboard shortcut doesn't do what i expected it to do ah i don't i give up and i can understand the appeal of that of yeah. like the simplicity and like there's no overhead to your mm-hmm. computing yeah lifestyle that's fair in that sense but like for me like i get like real i customize things very heavily i want my computer to do what i want my computer to do because it's my computer right like i have um especially at work like i have i have text expander at work and so i have tons of text Mm -hmm. expander snippets and like i don't know how to like type Mm. things without text (laughs) expander and i have i use um like one of the things that makes makes my coworkers hate using my computer at work you got hot corners i got hot corners and mouse sensitivity all the way up. <laughs> so someone I used your computer. I know that. <laughs> someone sit, someone sits down and they think they're going to move uh the mouse cursor an inch across the fa- across the screen <laughs> and the cursor goes zooming off into one of the corners and then the screen does something confusing and they don't know what's happening and they go, "Oh, I guess Jesse's computer's broken." <laughs> right. Hot corners are the worst. Hot corners See, hot corners are the worst unless you have your mouse sensitivity all the way up. Because <laughs> I I can like one of my one of my favorite ones is um is my bottom left is turn the display off. Mm-hmm. And coupled with uh the security setting to require passcode immediately after display yeah. goes off, I can be sitting at my computer and if I need to get up for like a minute to go look at something i can just the slightest flick of my wrist and my cursors in my bottom left screen and my computer's locked yeah and i can walk away it's nice it's really nice i do the same thing by just closing the lid see i have an imac <laughs> <laughs> i just i take the top of the imac and just i just put it right onto the table all the way to the desk every time don't use this it's mine <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like so. If I if my computer was kept like completely stock, anyone like the com- most of the computers are yeah. at work. Anyone can just walk up and be like, "I know how to use this," but Boo-doo-boo-doo. because of all my customizations, people yeah. 
feel like they're. Although, if you wanna, if you wanna, here's a, here's a little tinker trick for you. Mm-hmm. If you're a tinkerer. Mm-hmm. This is not a thing you can do if you're a tinkerer. Anybody can do this. If you're ever using somebody else's computer, uh, open up a text editor and hit Command V. <laughs> You'll always learn something. <laughs> oh, that's clever. <laughs> That kind of makes me nervous now. I wonder what's currently in my clipboard. I don't know. In my on my different devices. But if I sit down on your computer, I'd find out. Let's find out what's in my clipboard. Yeah. On my iMac. Command V. It is a calendar event. Yeah, there you go. I was putting my schedule into my calendar, so Yeah. That is in my most recent thing. Yeah. You always learn something. Yeah. You know what I do sometimes? Uh sometimes if I copy and paste something sensitive mm-hmm. and i know that there's something sensitive in my clipboard you will then copy something else i will i will uh spotlight type the word null and copy that <laughs> like if sometimes i have to copy and paste a password yeah right so immediately when i finish that i just copy null and put the word null into my clipboard well, there you go yeah that's that's very security conscious of you and you didn't even know there were people like me out there but you know what see the the next level level of tinkerer that this is something I, I would have done in the past, but I don't think I'm there anymore. Is yeah. I'm sure there's a script. I could probably write an Apple script or something. Probably. That every time something is pasted immediately after being copied, clear the clear the clipboard. Yeah. For security reasons. Yeah. It would be a an hassle because I would I occasionally find myself having to paste something multiple times. True, yeah. So then there's so a maybe, bunch of, maybe put a timer on it, like three minutes or yeah. Or a whole, yeah, a bunch of, now, now, tinker, tinker heaven, figure out the yeah. conditionals, right? What are you going to do? <laughs> so, yeah, this is a problem I want to solve. Cool. Right? Like, and that does sound kind of interesting to yeah. me, but also, like, I don't have five hours to sit down and, like, figure out a script for optimal clipboard management. Google it. Someone's got it out there. Yeah. But also, I like, I have work to do, so. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, it's, it's been fun playing with my Raspberry Pi. Yeah. And uh, learning how badly so many DVDs are authored. Like, just how poorly they're organized. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think this is going to lead you to getting more Raspberry Pis? I mean, at a couple bucks each, are there ones you like going to come up with new reasons to get them? We'll see. Like, I don't, I don't right now. One thing a buddy of mine did uh, is he's got multiple SD cards with different purposes on them. Mm. So he's got a RetroPie card. He's got a card that has, I think, just a Raspbian script on it so mm-hmm. he can pop out the card when he doesn't want to use it and pop in a different one and so it's sort of a balance between general purpose and individual use mm-hmm. um, i don't know what i would do with one right now like the there's not that i know of there's not a homebrew voice activation system like an alexa or a google home out of something like a Raspberry Pi, right? That would be a great but that would be one. a thing I would think about because I use my parents' Alexa or Amazon Echo is the official name, but you call it Alexa, right? Use the. Uh, I just realized I work with somebody whose name is Alexa. That's a problem. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, get an Echo for your office and yeah. see what happens. Uh, you can also change the name to Amazon. That's no. What I really want to be able to do is say computer, like I'm on Star Trek. You can't. You can't do that. Not on. Not on Amazon. Okay. You know, you can choose one co-word, and it's either Alexa uh, or Amazon. Oh well. But if I homebrewed my own, I could make it say computer. <laughs> yeah, that would be neat. The problem with that is it takes, like, all, the Raspberry Pi stuff is all open source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that kind of voice recognition AI stuff takes a huge amount of R&D resources. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know if there's a an open, open source, source repository so- solution yeah. to some to a problem like that. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Yeah. But that would be really neat. That would be a neat thing to be able to set up. Yeah. Huh. Cuz then yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. I would love that. You could do all kinds of home automation stuff. Mhm. Just open source nerd your way through yeah the other the other big nerd thing i want is a 3d printer like that's also on the list oh really yeah huh what would you be 3d printing everything just stuff yeah i don't i don't know yeah that doesn't like solve as many problems as a raspberry pi does it's just cool it's just cool yeah it's like i 3d printing sounds neat but like i don't want one i can 3d print a case for my raspberry pi that's a thing that exists sure um you could when when we can 3d print food then i'll be interested they they have lab printed meat right no i mean like i know what you mean i'm just telling you where we are on the spectrum (laughs) right we've gotten to lab printed meat right that's cool uh i want to be able to 3d print like a slice of pie yeah right like what am i in the mood for Ooh, you want a replicator i could go for it's a, ch- a star trek reference i'm i got it <laughs> that's one of the star trek references Good. i'll get it's like i want a slice of uh some cherry pie yeah and then i go press a button on my 3d printer and five minutes later i got a slice of cherry pie yeah that'd be good i would like that yeah. i would i would like replicators yeah i want replicators mm. more than i want transporters transporters are teleporting things or what's a trans- yeah okay they move you from A to B through space and stuff. Ooh. Fun Star Trek fact. Wait. The only reason they used, uh, the reason they came up with transporters on Star Trek that teleport you from A to B mm-hmm. is because that way they wouldn't have to worry about like showing people landing on planets because that would be expensive. To like land a ship on a planet. Yeah. <laughs> they came up with a teleporter and then you just go bloop, bloop, and now you're where you're supposed to be. Does a does the transporter need to bring you in and out through a like node, or can it just drop you into space? It can drop you anywhere and pick you up from anywhere. So you have to have one on one end, but not both ends. Okay, okay, interesting. That would be way better than a replicator. Are you kidding me? I want a replicator. But if you had a transporter, you could be like you. Well, to be fair, they use the same technology. Oh, okay. Wait, are replicators just transporting things from a warehouse somewhere? Well, they're transporting and then changing the pattern of things. So they take mass and use a transportation, a transporter-like system to recreate that mass into the shape of the food you want. So it's not like there's a warehouse of slices of cherry pie and when I want to replicate a slice of cherry pie, they just... It creates it out out of mass cubes. Okay, that makes sense. Which is, which is the whole classic ethical problem of, uh, of the transporter is yes. are you killing yourself, yourself when and coming you tra- back? Right, because you're not you're, the matter that it's taking is not the same matter that appears. No, it is the same matter, I think. Uh, I don't, it depends on you. But either way, it's it's you've been ripped apart at the atomic level and put back together. Are you still you? Yeah, you've been destroyed and recreated. Yeah. Um, my answer is I still feel like me, so it's probably fine. Yeah. The. Uh, Let's talk when someone actually has a good definition for the self, and then we can figure out, like... <laughs> well, uh, you can ask the Buddhists, there is no self, and you're fine. <laughs> oh, easy. Good. Um, transporters away. Uh, I I mean, like, 
I practically I would love a transporter way more than a replicator because if I could just be like where would I want to be right now let me uh right like you know we've talked about this before like I would really really love and I was actually talking with a coworker about this earlier today because <laughs> this is always on my mind I want to go back to Northeast and get a sandwich <laughs> and like sure maybe I could replicate a sandwich you could but also like I could just teleport myself to new york and get a sandwich walk into a deli and get a sandwich and like have the true real experience you know the sandwich is just replicated <laughs> go to new york deli and get a replicated sandwich <laughs> but it'd be or or could i like seek out my the greatest sandwich like the best sandwich in new york and then just whenever i want it just replicate that yes, every time you could definitely do that just like scan it and be like, this is the, when I say a sandwich, this reproduce this one. Yeah. Oh man. What a world. Yeah. Star Trek's great. You should watch it. What show, what show is this again? Star Trek. <laughs> this sounds interesting. It's, it's a good show. What channel is it on? CW. <laughs> um, I'm current while you look through your text messages, mm-hmm. I'm uh, currently watching season three of, um, chef's table on netflix yeah how is it which is a netflix favorite of mine i mean it's great it's food porn it's like it's just so beautiful to look at yeah chef's table made me hate everyone on chef's table and so i never went back to it this one's a little better i remember season one was like look at these men who are assholes but they're really good at cooking and who destroy their personal lives (laughs) um and there's always a there always seems to be a like world famous chefs like to destroy their personal lives the theme um we have not talked about it since about the good place okay um but the most recent episode i watched was about um nancy silverton i think is her name Mm -hmm. she's a chef in la she i guess is the person who like popularized and brought like good bread to america oh cool like a couple decades ago Hmm. and like the whole the whole reason you can go to whole foods and buy like this like nice artisan loaf of sourdough bread is because like nancy silverton like brought good bread baking to Hmm. america um before that it was just wonder bread yeah it was just like you go buy sliced loaves of bread at a grocery store or whatever um but like there's just the what the cinematographers are capable of in that show like it's very pretty like slow motion watching her knead bread dough on like this beautiful like counter yeah it was just like the greatest thing i've ever seen um but it's also like the cool story of her life and her obsession with it and it's the show is constructed well to like tell interesting stories about these Mm -hmm. people and make their lives seem like incredibly romantic and inspiring and (laughs) you know worthy of lusting after but Or, you know, ruin everything in service of, like, making the perfect steak. Right. Like, her her career, like, destroyed her marriage. Yeah. And it, like... Like that... Yeah. But that's a... It's a... It's a... It almost seems inevitable that, like, you want to be great and you're driven by overwhelming passion and yeah. ambition for something and your personal life is guess, always sacrificed. That sounds terrible. It does, I like my personal life. It does sound terrible. <laughs> and I do not want that life for myself. Yeah. But it seems to be a theme of, like, that's what happens to these people is they personal lives always get sacrificed yeah. i did uh, speaking of famous chefs well, slight diversion we'll get back to the good place mm-hmm. uh the wedding fancy wedding i went to oh, right. was catered by wolfgang puck personally no 
Oh. But it was at his restaurant. Must have been good. It's okay. Yeah? You can't make food for 300 people and make it taste great. <laughs> it's impossible. You can make it okay. Yeah. Unless you have a lot of very good chefs. Yeah. It's about it's about the amount of work each cook is doing. I need 400 cooks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a couple hundred cooks each individually making something delicious, then mm-hmm. yeah, it would be wonderful. But yeah, if it was made in a mass kitchen, like this, the kind you see on like Restaurant Wars during Top Chef, which is great. Right. Like I love that show. I love what they do. Um, it is impossible, mm-hmm. but like it's going to be okay. Like I don't care if it's like the best chef's restaurant in the world, making that many dishes in quick succession is right. going to be okay at best. What was the food? Uh, it was a surf and turf, so it was a piece of fish of some kind, maybe cod. Sure. It was a real uneventful fish <laughs> and a piece of steak. That's that the was... title. <laughs> I'm glad you can spot them ahead of time now. <laughs> I love I love when you say something so good during recording that I know that's going to be the title. Um, a piece of steak that was fine. Uh-huh. Uh, it wasn't like an amazing world-ending piece of steak. Some, like, three gnocchi dumplings, like, little. Yeah. And they were doughy. They weren't even that good. Nah. Uh, which is funny, because the latest episode of MasterChef Junior... Uh, one of the teams of kids for their like mass cooking challenge, like we're going to make gnocchi. And Gordon Ramsay was like, no, <laughs> don't make gnocchi too hard. <laughs> don't do it. And, the, and they didn't. And they didn't do it because it was too hard. Gnocchi right. is very difficult to do, let alone to do for 400 people. Yeah. Don't do that for a huge amount of people. No, That's but three little doughy gnocchi dumplings yeah. and some veggies, like a potato or something. Okay. It's fine. So that's the problem is like they picked food that is best. Like that's food that you're supposed to cook in small amounts for small groups of people. Yeah. Like if you're going to have, if you're going to serve food to a large group of people, pick something that is meant to be made in large quantities. Yeah. You know what my sister's doing for her wedding? What? Barbecue. Yeah. I went to a wedding a couple of years ago and they had barbecue buffet. Yeah. There's exactly one place in massachusetts that does actual barbecue (laughs) as barbecue yeah and they got buffet barbecue from that place and it was fantastic it's a great wedding because barbecue is best when you take a giant piece of meat and you put it in a in a smoker yeah and then guess what you have enough meat for a couple hundred people yep and then things like you know mashed potatoes and mac and cheese and all the barbecue sides. Yeah, so if you can stuff. make on mass, that is good when you make it on mass. And is meant to be made on yeah. mass. Yeah, yeah. Like my what, uh, my wedding was catered with uh, like very simple. It was like uh, it was like sandwiches from a from a cafe that we Great. really like. Yeah. You know what's really easy to make in giant quantities because sandwiches. they make it in giant quantities <laughs> for the cafe every day. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. Yeah. Really, Great. really good sandwiches. <laughs> Don't buy 300 steaks. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty sure that those were like 85 to to $100 plates. That's absurd. Yeah. And they were okay. Right. That's yeah. that's crazy to me. Like, and it's because it has to be fancy in some way. So you have to. Well, to be fair, like, and this is, this was the bride's family who was very much, who is, is very, very wealthy mm-hmm. and very fancy. And like all of that was clearly established by this wedding. Yeah. If you didn't know it ahead of time, you knew it now. <laughs> They're sending the message. Yeah. We also had to go on the uh, wedding registry to like buy a gift. Mm-hmm. 
and there were like like it was like rich people stuff oh oh what's that like i've never bought rich people stuff neither have i (laughs) (laughs) even after perusing this registry Uh, there was, for example, when my mom got really excited about, like, in a not very positive way, but, like, I cannot believe this existed, was, a, was like, a platter. Just okay. Like a, a, yeah. a fairly basic platter. It may have had a word or two on it. Sure. And it was $200. What was it made out of? Platter. <laughs> wow. Glass. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there, were, there were some glasses that I liked, like, you know, kind of like tumbler glasses that had kind of a, a fun orange color in the glass. Okay. $50 for a pair of them. For a pair? For two glasses. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think my glasses were like $8 for six at Ikea. Yeah. So Amy and I have the best story on this because we have a set of glasses that we use uh-huh. uh, that we bought in Ohio. Before we even lived together, we were at the grocery store together because we did all of our grocery shopping together because... Grocery shopping. Okay, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah, you. that's cool. Grocery shopping is a fantastic date. <laughs> and I will fight anyone who disagrees with that. It, grocery shopping tells you a lot about the other it does. person. It does tell you a lot about the other person. And it can be very enjoyable. Yeah. So, uh, Amy and I grocery shopped in Oxford, Ohio together a lot of the time, uh, which was super awkward. We ran into somebody we know who didn't know we were dating and we didn't <laughs> tell them we were dating at that time. Um,. <laughs> Because we, we kept our relationship a secret in Oxford, which was a bad idea, but also maybe not a bad idea. Mm. It was it's a whole thing. I kind of regret it now, but... But maybe it was worth it? At the time, I think it was still the right thing to do. Mm, interesting. Um, it was a tiny program. We had eight students and like four professors. Like, if things went wrong, it would have been bad. Right. Amy was the golden child. I was not. Ah. <laughs> so, anyway, we did that. It was bad. And we were at the grocery store once, and they were having a sale, and they had glasses. And mm-hmm. it was glassware. There was wine glasses. There were you know short ones, tall ones, <laughs> for ten cents a piece. <laughs> what? And so we bought a bunch of them. How could you not? Yeah. And so every time I look at new glasses, because we still have them, I, I go, that's not ten cents a piece. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're never gonna buy glasses again for the rest of your life because you never because like, you'll never get that price again. It was too good of a price. Like yeah. it was on a big end cap, and there was just a bunch of them, like loose, like not in boxes. You can just buy as many as you want. Wow. And like we we bought them and we weren't sure they were real until we got to the checkout and they scanned at ten cents a piece. Right, yeah. Oh, someone must have some, you know, one of the teenagers with the price gun was yeah, goofing something around. crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was so fifty dollars for two glasses is outrageous. That's um, orders of magnitude more than ten cents each. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was also like silverware where you could buy one of each, like a knife, a fork, and a spoon, for twenty five dollars. What? Oh my god. Yeah. See like I have fantasies about being rich and like what I would spend like stupid rich person money on. Yeah. First class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, first class plane tickets. But like I couldn't <laughs> 20... $25 for a cup? Come on. Yeah. I don't know. Like there's there's better things to spend your money on. Yeah. We we spent money on one of their honeymoon gifts, which was like breakfast in bed. Oh, they do nice. they do like group gifts you can do like that's a thing like you can contribute yeah. to the cost of one thing yeah yeah so we did helpful. that um uh i also have an interesting story about getting glassware for very cheap yeah that's um, a weird coincidence <laughs> <laughs> um i was at 
this really cool thing that this uh, neighborhood does mm-hmm. uh, close to where I lived in Massachusetts. They do a neighborhood yard sale. Cool. And so it's this it's this development, and it's maybe it's like four or five parallel streets mm-hmm. that are like, you know, it's like five or six houses on each street. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it makes a nice little little neighborhood. Yeah, it looks good from the space when you're you know looking right. at it from space. Um, and for I think like a weekend, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they do a neighborhood yard sale, and it's like a blowout. And there's like yeah. there's hundreds of people. Like they they get this like they I dig it yeah yeah they do they they clear this field and it becomes a parking lot mm-hmm. and there's tons and tons of people there and it's a really fun thing to go do even just like to walk around if yeah you're oh yeah buying anything so I went and you're, it takes hours you're like walking through everything and I come up come up to this table in this person's yard and I I'm looking through stuff and it's all their kitchen things all mm-hmm. their dishes and glasses and stuff and I see a um a Bodum double walled teacup. Okay. Do you know what that is? No, but it sounds fancy because you said the name. Yeah, Bodum, Bodum is the brand, um, but uh, it's double walled glassware mm-hmm. is like really fancy, like coffee and tea. Yeah, glassware because it's it's vacuum inside. It's, yeah, yeah, it, but it's like nice. It's it's not like hand blown, but like it's blown glass mm-hmm. and double walled. So it's like it's usually very expensive, mm-hmm. and it because it's very difficult to make, and they're very delicate and fragile. Sure. And usually they are like $20 a piece. Yeah. And they had a couple like six ounce ones and a couple, I think like 10 ounce ones. Mm-hmm. Like like three each. And I saw those and I was like, man, like I've always wanted some of those because at the time I was like really into tea. Yeah. And like drinking tea the fancy correct way. Doesn't ways sound and, like you at all. No, not one bit. Like following all the rules about how to drink tea properly and yeah. the temperatures and all that. It's all very important. So I was like, uh, fancy specific tea glasses absolutely are exactly what I need in my life. Um, so I grabbed one and I was like, maybe I'll just get like one or two. Mm-hmm. Right? Like maybe they're like $10 each yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I go ask the person and I was like, Hey, how much are you selling these glasses for? And he's like, Oh, those, um, uh, I don't know. A quarter each. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And like, I <laughs> I don't know if my like face betrayed what happened yeah. to my brain, but I was like, oh, he doesn't know what these are. <laughs> so did you buy them for a quarter each? I bought all. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take all. And then like, these. I think like one of them broke like yeah. on the ride home. You don't home. care. It was a quarter. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I still got five of these like fancy expensive. For a dollar. Glasses for yeah. a dollar. Yeah. That's, that's pretty great. Yeah. It was perfect. I love I love the yard sale thing when the person doesn't know what they have. That's fun. Yeah. Or they don't care. That's another option. That's true because they just want to get rid of their shit. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get rid of this. I will pay you to take it away. Have you done, have you hosted a yard sale before? Uh, I have not in a long time, but we, we did a few times when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, my dad just did one for uh, my grandmother's house uh-huh. uh, because she's moved into assisted living. And they're selling. They sold the house. They got an offer. They're selling or sold the house since they were clearing out all the stuff. So they took a bunch of stuff, put it in storage. Basically, everything else they put in the garage and was like, "We're having a garage sale. Come get it." And my dad is very much the kind of person who is like, "A dollar. It's a dollar." Right. We don't care. Yeah. Just take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. We've my family did that a couple times. I think there was like two or three years where we had like a big mm-hmm. summer yard sale. Yeah. Big junk collectors. Mm-hmm. So we had a we had a garage. That a car never went in. Yeah. 
and it was filled with junk. Yep, and that's, that's what happens when you have three children. Their junk just you get a lot of junk. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, like at the beginning of the yard sale, it's kind of, you know asking fair, cheap pr- Maybe. yard sale prices, <laughs> right? Like you know, five dollars for this. Yeah. Ten dollars for this nice thing, and then like it's halfway over, and then you're just like, okay, everything's a dollar. Yeah. And then the last couple hours, it's like, just take it. Just take. It. Do you want this? It's Will yours. you give me a dollar for it? No. Okay, fine. It's yours. It's free. Yeah. And then at the end, the rest of the stuff just just gets dumped on the curb yeah. <laughs> for free. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think on this last one, my dad didn't do singles. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that was his strategy. It's like no no single bills. Right. So whatever you want, it's five dollars together. <laughs> right. Right. If it's not if that's if that's a dollar, yeah, sure. It's also now part of this five dollar bundle. <laughs> just getting rid of it. <laughs> Have you ever been to uh I think this would be a fun idea for a yard sale to to do things by weight. Just like, <laughs> like I'm thinking like, have you ever been to a, a thrift store where you buy clothes by weight? No, but I, I can see how that would be a thing. It's a really fun kind of thrift store, um, especially because of the kind I've been to. Um, they don't even bother putting their clothing Priced on, on, on hangers <laughs> and racks. It's just, just dump it in it's piles. Just piles. And you like, it's literally like people like paw through it climbing on piles of clothing searching through stuff and you fill a trash bag and then you go you to the checkout the thing they throw it on it. a scale this is a 15 pound bag of clothes that'll be 20 dollars, yeah. or you know whatever it is huh. so i could i could see you just needed a big scale out in your yard you and could like, do that yeah you know you get like a luggage scale or something like that you could do that yeah that's an interesting idea whatever it is pay by the pound yeah that's an outrageous option yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i guess that wouldn't really make sense because you'd you know, maybe you got some like old DVDs or something you're selling and those could be fairly priced, but then someone wants DVDs to, are worthless. Someone wants to buy like a chair yeah, and it's f- like a 10 pound chair and all of a sudden it's really expensive. Yep. That's, that's what you get when you pay by the pound. <laughs> it's not a, not a foolproof system. Yeah. DVDs are worthless. I looked on Craigslist recently. Oh, sure. And yeah. they have no value. Right. Cause no, no one. If someone wants a DVD, it's because they like know they want that DVD, so they go buy it. No one's like, let me go browse some DVDs to see what I want to buy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I was looking because I was because I was thinking about like maybe I'll sell it. I'm not going to sell it. Like at this point, yeah. Like I'll condense it. Like I may you know throw out all the cases and do that, but I'm not like it's selling them is useless at this point. Because you just wouldn't make any money. Well, so like I saw somebody selling like a hundred DVDs for eighty dollars. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> What's the point? It's like, that's just a hassle at that point. Right. One guy was like, I'm not showing you pictures. <laughs> just Do you it. want them or not? Just buy it. <laughs> um, Don't email me. Well, it's interesting because there's no equivalent to like a rare first edition in the DVD world the way there is with books, right? The closest thing nowadays is like Criterion stuff. Like limited run. Well, like things. the Criterion Collection is a is a DVD publishing company. They do blue Blu rays and DVDs, right? Um, where they find really good movies or really important movies, and like they do and restorations, and restorations, stuff like and very special editions that are mm. very fancy. And some of them go out of print because they lose the rights to them. Oh. So I have a few Criterion DVDs that are out of print, right? Uh, and those are nice. Uh huh. They're not essential, but that's about as close as you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, I mean, there are, I would say there are rarities, which is DVDs that were not 
successful and not produced for long periods of time. Sure. But usually those are movies that people aren't interested in. Mm-hmm. Right. If they were, yeah. if people wanted it, they would have made a lot and sold them all. Probably. Because they're super cheap to make. Yes. It's not like books that, that you have to be like very careful about your manufacturing because they're expensive yeah. to make. Well, and DVDs are also young as a medium. Like books are old. Books been around a long time. Pretty long time. So if you got old books, those tend to be or can be worth a lot more mm-hmm. than new books. But there's not old DVDs. Right. Like in 30 years when the DVD renaissance happens, that might be something worthwhile, but eh. Sorry, the DVD renaissance? Happened for vinyl. It's <laughs> happening for cassettes. It is happening for cassettes. I know. Do you own any cassettes? No. I don't either. I'm not interested. I think I owned one cassette in my life. Oh, see, I had a lot of cassettes. Like my family had cassettes. Like I remember one that I owned that was like oh, mine. Okay. My family had a bunch. I had a cassette Walkman and yeah. like use it all the time. I did too. I must have had more cassettes. I remember one. The one I remember was Weird Al's Bad Hair Day. That was the, nice. the cassette I remember. Um, I have a friend, an old coworker, who has a very popular podcast. And the podcast is, it's a music podcast. And it is a curation playlist each week mm-hmm. or whatever of what's hot in the cassette music world fascinating and he's a he's a musician himself and it's it's a lot of like you know i'm not i'm trying not to be disparaging but like super weird yeah like droney electronic okay like dark electronic music yeah um but are these are these like new cassettes that are like being yeah released? it's people who are people who are currently producing and releasing music exclusively on cassettes got it because that's apparently a cultural thing oh, absolutely. that's happening again and, 20 years dvd reson- and renaissance and it's so popular like it's such a movement that he has a very popular podcast yeah. that you can listen to so that you can hear this music because you can't go download it on the internet because it's produced a it's hundred cassettes at a time, <laughs> which is very bizarre to me. And I can get the vinyl thing. I truly can because vinyl is a pleasurable experience. Mm-hmm. Cassettes talk- are a pleasurable experience. I disagree. <laughs> I think cassettes are a very bad medium and vinyl. Vinyl isn't perfect. Like, but it's, fun and nice and it's very tactily you know enjoyable but cassettes are kind of garbage weirdly um in horror film buffs there is a nostalgia for uh vhs tapes Hmm. because there are a lot of um b and c and d level horror films that were never released on dvd or digital but they were thrown out on cassettes vhs cassettes uh and so there is a vhs horror renaissance going on as well right now that's so wild to me. Yeah, the the magnetic tape thing is bad. I never want <laughs> to experience media on magnetic tape magnetic tapes again. God, VHSs were the worst. Um now speaking of like old books though, um like I find that really interesting. Like I I would love to have like first editions of the of my favorite books. Lord of the Rings. Right. Lord of the Rings, like all the Tolkien stuff, I would love the first Bible. editions. I have, yeah, okay. Um, like I own first paperback editions for the Lord of the Rings, and my 
and first American edition for the Silmarillion. That's intense. Which are cool and I love them, but they're not first editions, so they're not that expensive. Yeah. Um I know so I have I remember when I've I've looked this up and I've been like shopped around for first edition things for Tolkien and I know like a first edition Hobbit can go for like a hundred thousand dollars. That sounds right. Yeah. And I've held one before. Ooh. Um I was at a used bookstore in Maine this summer and they had a first edition Hobbit, mm. but it was in very bad condition. Yeah. So it was only a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. Cheap. Right. But the guy took it out of the case and let me hold it and like he wow. just like he just let me hold it and he like flipped through the pages yeah. for me and let me look through it a little bit. Uh but that was a very cool experience. I've also I didn't get to hold this one. I've seen a Gutenberg Bible. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was really neat. Um it was Martin Luther's personal Bible. That's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. That's that's like a big deal. Right. <laughs> that's like one of the most important books ever. Yeah. Um it, it was it was at a uh, there's a there's an organization that does Bible translations for new small languages around the world. Okay. Like missionaries go to like remote places and like learn new languages for these people, you know, obscure dialects that are only spoken by like small groups of people. Mm -hmm. And then they work on translations of the Bible for them. And I was at their headquarters in Florida one time. uh, And they have Martin Luther's personal Bible. That's pretty crazy. Printed on a Gutenberg press. And it was amazing. It's under this like credible, like glass case. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, But it was, Really cool to be looking at the actual physical objects in front of me. And I was like, this book caused the Reformation, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, a like little bit. Martin Luther read this book <laughs> and then he started the Reformation because of what which, he read in here. Which changed the world. Right. Like what top five significant human changes. It's pretty big. Right. Like agriculture. Yeah. The Reformation. It's a big one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's yeah. the 500 year anniversary of the Reformation, either this year or next year. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, the the nailing of the theses on. Yeah, my parents the are gonna uh, take a trip to Germany. Maybe they're thinking about it. Are they really? But they're gonna do it the year after the 500 year because it's way too busy. <laughs> <laughs> way too busy. <laughs> yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of neat. We could use another Reformation. I mean, some would argue it's happening. Might be. Yeah. <laughs> talking about the good place. Oh, yeah. We were going to talk about that, and then we started talking about books and yard sales. Mm-hmm. Um, the Good Place is really good. It right? is a great sitcom, and I had so much fun watching it. Great. I love that. Um, it's very different from any other sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super funny. The Cactus. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> is that a cactus behind your back no it's the files it's are you sure it's not a cactus i'm sure <laughs> and it's a cactus um yeah just it's a it's such a delightful show it's full of it's it's my favorite kind of sitcom because like it's full of like silliness and joy and happiness and mm-hmm. it's not like angry and grumpy and cynical really yeah um but the like the characters are interesting and all like very individual mm-hmm. and very realized instantly. Um, 
like the premise is really strong too, but it's just it's so enjoyable to watch those people like goof off and do dumb, stupid, it's a very silly things. Fun show. Um, and of course, should we should we talk about the, the yeah, spoiler? We can. Yeah, um, like the twist at the end, uh, was great. Yeah, I was jaw on the floor. I was I wasn't completely surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, when the first time they showed, uh, is it Michael? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Danson. Ted Danson's character. The first time they showed Michael at his job, yeah, and he's in like his office. Yes, like planning, <clears throat> planning. Like, yeah. Right. He, like he gets he gets the the architecture position. Yeah, he gets the project to architect this yeah. the new neighborhood. And I was like, that's like it looks all dark and dreary and yeah. like a an old you know smoky schlubby like fifties office mm-hmm. building or whatever. I'm like, that's not what heavens offices would the good place right that's not sorry that's not what the good places offices or yeah environment would look would look like like something is going on here so i didn't full-on expect it to be that complete switcheroo like (laughs) it's actually the bad place and they completely manufactured this yeah brutally torturous environment for them yeah uh but i love that it was amazing right like it's such a it's such a great twist on and it's such a good way to like keep the continue to give you a reason to watch the show. Yes. Because honestly, like towards the end of the first season, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch like season after season of Mm -hmm. these people being in the good place, but it never actually being good for them. Yeah. Like like how long can that go on? Right. Like how long can that go on? But also like, it starts to feel like a failed premise at a certain point yes. because like, because all this conflict keeps happening. Right. But and like, that's what sitcoms are is like, you have a, you have a system and then a conflict happens and they solve the problem in 30 minutes and mm-hmm. then everything's good. Yeah. And you just reset. But it feels that, that format felt wrong for them being in the good place. Like yeah. you wanted everything to eventually resolve <laughs> and get, good nicer and more pleasant but uh-huh. then there wouldn't be anything worth watching when yes. that happened so there was this weird like tension in my brain and then it's like oh it's the bad place and i'm like yes perfect now <laughs> we can like now the show now the show can like be the show yeah. well the the producer has said he's got like a four or five year plan for the show nice and each one's going to be 13 episodes like very intentional like he knows what the beats are at least in the very big sense yeah of what the show is going to be yeah so good good um yeah like i i love that even even after it was revealed that they were actually in the bad place the next one of the other reveals of like everyone but the four Mm -hmm. are actors yes like they're bad place employees yeah or demons or whatever like everyone else Mm -hmm. like i want i want to rewatch season um, one with that in light janet oh because she's an actual she's an actual good place janet Yeah. yeah She just doesn't realize what's going on. Yeah. Um, also, the the producer creator confirmed in an interview that the middle place is real. Yes. We probably read the same interview on Uproxx. I yes. think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the middle place was and is actually the middle place. Yeah. And I loved the middle place <laughs> character. <laughs> what? Do you have any cocaine? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I just figured, you know. If you, you have, have some. If you have some, yeah. <laughs> but do you? <laughs> yeah. Warm beer forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's her favorite beer. It's, it's always warm. warm. Um, middle place doesn't sound all that bad. 
But it doesn't sound like good either. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's very middle. Adam Scott's character. Oh, he was amazing. Adam Scott is a delight. Yeah. And I think he's incredible. He's, it's funny because I primarily know him from Parks. Yes, where he's such a like nice guy. Just, yeah, total sweetheart, like so earnest and and good and trying yeah. so hard and but goofy and lovable. Oh yeah, and, like and and dumb and in some <laughs> and ways. And this one, he's not. But God, he's so good at playing just a complete asshole. Absolutely, just a hundred percent terrible person, terrible asshole because he's a demon. Yeah, my favorite, one of my favorite things. Um, was when he was taking her to the bad place or to the fake bad place or whatever, you know, they're on the train. Yep. And he's like, this train is a little bit warm and it gets one degree warmer every time you think about how warm it is. <laughs> that was such a good line. It's like, oh. <laughs> that, that train would instantly be on fire. <laughs> like it would not take. Yeah, but it's your fault. That's the point. Like that's the torture. <laughs> Just stop thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's so bad, just, you know, just stop. Think about something else. <laughs> Which, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, is literally the good place writ large. It is it is a terrible place of their own making. Right. Because they are terrible to each other. Right. Um, that's why it is the bad place. Right. Like if, like, Michael actually made a good place mm-hmm. and just put bad people in it. Like if they were good, it would have been fine. Yeah, they could have just lived the rest of their lives. Right. Oh, I've the, one of my favorite things uh the like the froyo thing oh yeah it's like yeah it's like no there's no froyo in the good place you eat ice cream <laughs> you just eat ice cream it's like that immediate tell but everyone's like but excuse me everybody just likes froyo here yeah and no one was like what like i re- i remember thinking that i was like really froyo like froyo is the thing people eat because they don't want to eat all the fat and ice cream yeah just, but nope <laughs> everybody loves froyo apparently there's gonna be pizza places in the new good place <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah um yeah i'm really looking forward to, to where it goes because the show kind of did the reset where their memories have been wiped get yeah. wiped and so they're just gonna start over and presumably we'll figure out how they find out mm-hmm. again and yeah what's pro- going on yeah now the, now the audience has the knowledge and so the mm-hmm. tension will be like wanting the the, the characters to figure it out while mm-hmm. we know what's going on and um hopefully they'll figure out figure it out soon I don't want it to be like each season. Let's figure. Let's wait for. Yeah, them to no, figure I, it I out. think it'll happen. I think. I think. I don't know what will happen, but I think interesting things will happen throughout. Because I will say one of the things that I found impressive about the Good Place as I was watching it, and not knowing what was going on, mm-hmm. was that almost every episode ended on a on a twist or a cliffhanger of some sort. Yeah, a little bit. There mm-hmm. was always sort of like, oh, the reveal that Jason is John Hu, John Yu, or. Um, you know, her in the middle of the season standing up and saying, I'm not supposed to be here. Like these sorts of right. like moments that there was always a little bit of forward momentum going forward, uh-huh. even when it was all in the good place right. or we thought. And so I, I trust that there will be that continued sense of forward momentum because there's 13 episodes a season. There's right. not a need to pad things out right. unnecessarily. Right. It's not like, oh, great. Now we get a 22 episode season. Yeah. Let's figure out how to extend uh, the story. Yeah. That long. No, they very intentionally said, like, this is what we want to do is these, you know, self-contained, very narrative driven sitcom seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for more. Yeah. Now, in retrospect, having finished season yeah. one. Like, how did it take me so long? Right? Like, like I, I spent like a month or more watching through the first like six episodes. Yeah. And then I watched like the second half of the season in like two days. Yeah. Mo- not, not even because I was like, I oh, got it. Like, 
I'm, I, I love this, this. I love yeah. this so much that I am binging through it. It was just like, I, this is ridiculous. I need to finish this show. Yeah. So I finished it. Yeah. I'm very glad I did. I watched it live, like episode one to episode N13, like four months later. I almost watched, took that long to yeah, watch. Yeah, you almost did. <laughs> That's how like my parents watch television. I watch a lot of TV like that. There are a number of shows that I watch like day after on Hulu or the CW app. Yeah. Um, that I'm not, I mean, I don't binge stuff well anyway. Amy's much better at binging than I am. Like just straight up like watching tons of stuff in yeah. one day or whatever. Yeah. Like she can sit on the couch and watch, you know, half a season of Project Runway um, where I cannot. Yeah. I, I do I, like Project Runway. Like I had nothing against it, but yeah. I don't, I don't have that impetus to like, just watch the next one. Just watch the next one. I only do that on particularly lazy days. Yeah. Like those two days where I finished The Good Place. Yeah. But I, I'm a little surprised it took you two days to finish it because it was like six episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have that impulse as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm watching through season three of Chef's Table now that I finished The Good yeah. Place and it's like, I'll watch an episode tonight. Yeah. And that's all I'll watch tonight. Like I don't need go. to sit down and watch TV for hours and hours. Yeah, we watch, I mean, we watch two or three shows a night, but yeah. a lot of them are weekly shows like Shield or uh, Fresh Off the Boat is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, good Place was one of the ones I was thinking of. Uh, Speechless is also really good. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's, I feel like we've talked about it, but it's, it's a ABC sitcom, which is to say it's about a family that's atypical. Okay. Kind of in the modern family, you know, original, like started on this path. It was like modern family and then blackish and then fresh off the boat. And now they're speechless and they're all kind of in this ABC family brand. Modern family. I know it's called modern family and it's supposed to be like, look at this unusual family but it kind of feels like the most boringly generic family yeah it's a terrible show possible i mean people love it but it's also like seven or eight years old it's run out of steam right i have a lot of bitterness towards modern family because it when the comedies i like should have been <laughs> were, were hitting their peak and should have been winning their emmys yeah modern family was winning their emmys modern family was new and was stealing their emmys i the weirdest thing I have about Modern Family is one of the I don't I don't watch it enough to know the character names. The gay couple. Yep. The two one's a clown and one's not a clown. <laughs> yes. The silly one and the serious one. Yeah. The one that's not a clown yep. was on a sitcom that I loved the premise of that had no way to sustain itself and got canceled after one season that I loved and he started Modern Family like immediately after that. Okay. And so I was mad at Modern Family when it started because I wanted, which he had no control they over. They stole like, him. Like right. he was taking a job because he needed a job because the show got canceled. Right. And now he's probably a millionaire because he got a Modern Family. Uh, but the show was called The Class. Mm-hmm. And it was a sitcom about a third grade class that meet each other again at a class reunion 20 years later. So they're all like in their mid twenties now. Hmm. Um, and then followed them all. Like they, they had not seen each other for the majority of that time. They met again at the class reunion and then basically kind of went about their lives where they would occasionally like interact and became friends because of that. Hmm. But it had like three or four serialized stories going on simultaneously that occasionally crossed over, but were never like fully unified right in a really interesting way that i i thought was really fascinating a really interesting idea right and like the inciting incident was the main character such as it was such as he was had gotten married to 
his third grade sweetheart. They, they were in the same third grade class and they've been together forever and all third that sort of stuff. Third grade sweetheart. And they break up at the 20 year reunion. Oh my and God. so that was the inciting incident of sort of the stories and things that spin out of that. That's clever. Um, and it was an interesting show. I don't know that it was good. Like it probably wasn't good. Probably. But I like the idea of it. And I'm, I'm a sucker for a weird structural thing. But he was a character, a main character on that show. Yeah. And got canceled. And so he went and became famous on modern family because that's what you do if you can yeah the the flip side of that is like i don't begrudge any of the actors no of course not like like good for them if they want to be on a mediocre show and make millions of dollars good job yeah go for it yeah it it's similar to like um like film actors who are easy to hate i'm thinking of like uh tom cruise jack nicholson no, not them, because like they 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 are genuinely respected. Okay, and have like talent. Shia LaBeouf. He's a class of his own. I'm thinking <laughs> of uh, who's Paul Blart, Kevin James, Kevin James, Adam Sandler. I do hate those people. Right, like I hate the what they make. Yes, I think the, the yeah, I think the movies they make are bad. And yes, the world's worse that they exist. <laughs> but also like. Yeah. Good for them. I guess. Like they can they do they have they have their thing. Someone keeps making their movies. They make money off of it. Yep. They're like they're successful. It's fine. Like they probably if they had like pretense that they were like these great artists and making something like wonderful and worthwhile, like I'd yeah. probably have more of a problem with them. But they probably know they're making like dumb, stupid movies that appeal Garbage. to that appeal to enough people to make them yeah. enough money. Adam Sandler got a four picture deal from Netflix. Ugh. And they're gonna be they're gonna be so bad. Two of them are out already. Oh, they must be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Two or three of them are out already. Right, but like, like I, this this part of me is just like, eh, good for them. You yeah. know what I mean? They found the the thing and they're successful, so fine. Yeah. But also, I I was just watching this uh, this stuff about Paul Thomas Anderson, so this was on my mind. Like, Adam Sandler somehow did Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Like. I haven't seen it, but everybody thinks it's an amazing film and that he's great in it. I really, really like that movie. Yeah. I'm, I also just really, really like Paul Thomas Anderson. Of course stuff. you do. Yeah, of course I do. Um, but he is really good in it. Yeah. And it's just it's just a good, serious acting role. Yeah. And it does not play to any of his pre-existing strengths, <laughs> if you can call him that, in his more typical his work. Types. <laughs> his types. But like... He's somehow capable of it. Yeah. And has only ever done it once. Well, that's that's a really interesting thing. So have you seen the movie uh, Funny People? So Judd Apatow. Yeah. He yes. wrote and directed it. Yes. And it's got Adam Sandler and the guy I sound like. Seth Rogen. That's it. Thank mm-hmm. you. And like the Adam Sandler character is a thinly veiled Adam Sandler. Right. And like... I saw that movie and I thought, oh, Adam Sandler realizes what he's been doing and is going to maybe like step away from those roles. Right. And then no, he didn't. But like, yeah, so I, that makes me think he's totally self-aware. Yeah. He has. He just doesn't care. He has some talent and skill as evidenced in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. And he's self-aware enough 
to do what he did in Funny People and make fun of himself. Yeah. And then he still just goes and makes really, really, really bad, stupid, unfunny movies that make a lot of money. I guess. I guess he is. So, yeah, good for him. Yeah. So, Speechless. <laughs> it's twice you've done this. Uh, Speechless is a really good show in that sort of atypical family, modern family genre uh-huh. that ABC has a market on. Um, which is a family of like lower middle class family, uh, fairly typical, you know, overbearing mom, laid back dad, three kids, except one of the kids is special needs. He's got cerebral palsy, uh, is in a wheelchair hundred percent of the time and cannot speak is nonverbal. Okay. And uh mini driver plays the mom and she is amazing. She's great. She is hilarious, but everyone on the show is great. Uh, and they did something which should not be outrageous, but sometimes is, which is they cast an actor with cerebral palsy in the role of the kid with cerebral palsy. Okay. And he's amazing. Really? Oh, he's hilarious. Nice. Uh, and, and he's actually, uh, JJ, the character he plays, Micah Fowler is the actor's name. Uh, JJ, the character he plays, is a slightly, has a slightly more severe version of cerebral palsy. Right. Uh, Micah can actually speak, so he's not completely nonverbal. Okay. Uh, but he speaks very slowly, and uh, like I, I saw an interview where he briefly spoke, and it was, it's a. Yeah. It is a speech that takes a long time. <laughs> like, it's just, it's slow. Like, right. that's what it is. It's. Yeah, it's part of the condition. It just, yeah, yeah it's. Speaking is very difficult. Um, I mean, he's certainly a smart guy and like fully capable of being an actor. Right. But like, it's a show that has a disabled main character, but is not about like that exclusively. Like it's about the family. He's just a part of the family. Right. Not all of his storylines are about him being disabled. That yeah. Way. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really good. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. And it's in its first season, I think. Do I think uh, maybe it's second? Fresh off the boats in its third season, but yeah. Um, is I forget. Uh, in in Breaking Bad, is it uh, Walter Junior? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's cerebral palsy, right? Y- yes, I mean cerebral palsy shows up in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, it has a lot of different symptoms, and I don't. Again, not an expert, can't speak to okay. it fully. But I, I mean, I, I had a. a colleague schoolmate of mine in undergrad uh-huh. who had cerebral palsy and yeah. she was i would say closer to walt jr than to jj uh-huh. if we're comparing them to you know people she could she was uh, mostly you know almost fully verbal could walk had a walker she used mm-hmm. um but she was in the honors science classes with me and like was fine like yeah like, it's, it's not <laughs> not like a mental deficiency no it's it's yeah. a physical right like you can't your body doesn't work right right or it doesn't work the way mine does not there even putting go. judgment on it right your body doesn't work the same way mine does right um but yeah the i'm uh, i don't know his name but the actor who plays walter jr in breaking bad yeah was a similar situation mm-hmm. like he has a less he he has cerebral palsy yeah but it's a less severe version of it mm-hmm. which i guess like you couldn't do the reverse where you act it'd be le- difficult like you, yeah. you couldn't act a less severe version yeah but you can act a more severe mm-hmm. version because of the physical limitations of, yeah. of it but um 
yeah, I think it's cool. Like, put people with, like, conditions like that on television shows and let the people who actually have it act them. Yeah. What a crazy idea. Yeah. There's some show, I don't know what it's called, but I've seen it. Uh, it has a lot of deaf characters. Uh, Switch at Birth. Yes. Really good show. And I think a lot of the actors are deaf, right? The the main character who is deaf is not, but a lot of the supplementary characters are. Yeah, okay. Which, I mean, they, I mean to be fair, from my friends who are uh, people I know who have been close to the deaf community, I think it's a really good show. It's got a lot of really great deaf, deaf representation on it. Right. Um, and they did a lot of work on that. They did an episode that was done uh, entirely in ASL. The whole thing? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. With subtitles for those of us people who can hear. Right. And yeah, don't know I, ASL. I can't read ASL. Speak ASL? It's not reading. Yeah, it's speaking. Speaking? Yeah. Even though it's your hands? Well, that's that's getting to the problems of language. <laughs> right. Like being able to say, I understand, understand you. Like, I hear you what you're saying is a, another way to say, I understand you. Or I see as another way of saying, I understand you. <laughs> right. Both of which are not true if you are deaf and or blind. Like, right. those are, like, that's a problem with our language that we have to deal with at some point. Right. Yeah. I want, yeah, I want to know what the correct verb is for seeing someone sign and understanding i think it's to is it listen i i am i listening to you i don't know i'm not the person to answer that question and i don't know yeah and i'm not going to pretend to know yeah i want there to be a verb just for that there might be it's probably an asl (laughs) yeah it probably is yeah Uh, yeah, I have I have no idea what that would be. But yeah, uh, Switched at Birth had a had a deaf main character who was not played by a deaf actress, but almost everyone else in that show who is deaf is played by a deaf actor. Nice, uh, and it's it's a really good show. And it's great because like you can have shows, you can have characters in television and in movies mm-hmm. that have conditions and yeah. whatnot that are not like you. Mm-hmm. And they can still be entertaining. Oh, absolutely. Weird, right? Yeah. Like, I don't... Crazy. I don't need everyone... Crazy is not a good word. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> That's a hard thing to shake. I keep catching myself doing I know. it. And I notice it every single time yeah, I do it. Yeah, and... Uh, like, oh, I, like, that's insane. No. no. Mm. Yeah. It's Foolish, that's a good word. replacement word. Uh, outrageous. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Silly. Silly. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. There's lots of other words we can use. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah. Yeah, I don't need everyone in uh in my media to yeah. look and sound and act like me. Yeah. Marley Matlin eventually showed up and uh, switched at birth. Who's that? Uh she's like I hate this. If you've seen a deaf actress in a movie, it was probably Marley Matlin. Oh. <laughs> Did you ever watch The West Wing? I didn't. Oh, uh, you should watch The West Wing. You would like The West Wing. I fell asleep during the pilot bad person i was very tired it was a You're bad time a bad for person. me to try to watch the west wing <laughs> you would enjoy at least the first three seasons of the west wing yeah i'm that's one of those shows that's like always on yeah. my list uh she she plays a recurring character uh i mean she got famous uh in children of a lesser god which i think she won the oscar for hmm. um she was in of all things what the bleep do we know which is a, a terrible documentary I'm, I can't put enough scare quotes around the word documentary <laughs> um, film that the people who made claim to be real. Uh. Um, but she was an actress who played the lead role in it. So there's a sort of fictionalized story around it. And then like a billion talking heads talking about like how 
you know, if you think really hard at a bottle of water, bad words, you will change the molecular structure of that water. Oh, no. No, not that. That's, that's like, um, that's like the secret. It's like the secret, yeah. It's like your thinking energy can do things to the physical world. Yeah, a lot of the same sort of stuff. Um, but she was in that as a character. And and Marley Matlin's really interesting because a lot of times she plays characters like who are deaf but not defined by their deafness. Mm-hmm. Um, like her character in West Wing was very well in that realm. Like she was someone who was deaf and had an interpreter with her most of the time, but that wasn't really a part of who she was. She was a pollster. She knew how to poll people and get numbers and talk about like what they mean and how to adjust polls right and, like, like had skills and abilities yeah. and characterizations and stuff yeah. that oh, wasn't absolutely. just she's deaf yeah yeah and one of the main characters gets a crush on her and they want to go out nice then they do i should watch the west wing you should watch the west wing it's good yeah i don't know if i can handle fictionalized political drama it might right actually now. be a respite because it might seem tame well, it might seem like hopeful. <laughs> oh, weirdly, huh? Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a really good show. Because I I remember I considered watching The West Wing this past summer and fall. At mm-hmm. the same time, I was thinking about watching Battlestar again mm-hmm. because, like, one of the reasons I watched Battlestar was because I was like, I want to see a badass lady be president. Yeah. And then that didn't work out in the real world <laughs> as much as I had hoped. But I was like, I'm going to watch Battlestar or The West Wing because I want something political yeah. to go along with all the real world political sure. craziness. And then the election went poorly and Battlestar was a disappointment. <laughs> well, it went poorly and it did, and it made the experience of watching Battlestar disappointing. Yeah. Um, but I also considered uh, West Wing and I fell asleep wa- watching the pilot. So I was like, I'll watch Battlestar again. <laughs> West Wing's good. I mean, like, I know. Yeah. Because the pilot of the West Wing is interesting because it very much centers Rob Lowe as a character, as, like, the main character. And he's not? Not for long. Oh, but he's Like, so he's handsome. on the show for a long time. Like, he's on the show for three years, at least two or three years. Uh-huh. Um, but the show, it started out, like, being about him, like, very quickly turned into being about an ensemble and being about everybody, mm. which is really fa- fascinating. Hmm. And yeah. then he left because it wasn't about him anymore. <laughs> and he needed it to be about him a little bit yeah it's funny because i i mostly know rob Lowe from parks sure which is not how you're supposed to mostly know rob Lowe. i think it's a great way to know rob Lowe. i mean based on everything else i know about him and his roles is yeah. it's probably the best way to know rob Lowe. yeah apparently he was really good in um The Grinder. I don't know what that is. It was a sitcom that was on last year. That's it was an not app, very right? popular. It is also an app. Mm-hmm. But the is Grindr, he on there? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what his proclivities are. He might be. Probably not in Austin. Although South by is going on, so maybe. Yeah, you never know. Uh, he, in The Grinder, the premise of The Grinder is a silly one. Rob Lowe plays an actor who was on a very popular crime courtroom drama called the grinder where he played a character called the grinder um and was really good at being a court lawyer Mm -hmm. and that show got canceled and so he moved home and decided to join his brother's law firm as a fake lawyer (laughs) 
And his brother's like, you can't do that. You're not a real lawyer. And everyone else is like, but he's so cool. Let's let him hang out with us. And that's what the show's about? That's the premise of the show. Sounds like a bad show. Uh, it was not bad. Uh, a lot of people were really sad that it got canceled. But it's it's a very Rob Lowe role. Yeah. Um, but in this sort of same way that like Parks and Rec was a departure, it was a bit of a departure. It was kind of making fun of Rob Lowe roles. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, which is an aspect of it I don't I don't actually understand because I don't know Rob Lowe that well. Yeah, I just thought I think was, it would still be a good show. I just thought he was charming. One of my favorite gifts, like just that exist on the internet. I think I know. I, I <laughs> hope I hope I know what you're about to say. Okay, one of my favorite gifts that just always makes me laugh is Rob Lowe sick looking in a mirror. Yep, <laughs> just saying stop pooping. <laughs> Like that that alone makes Parks and Rec good for existing to me. Um that is the that is what I consider to be the funniest moment of the entire show. Oh good, I'll have to watch the show then. <laughs> um I I remember what the first time I watched that. Yeah. It's a great episode overall. Sure. Um the first time I watched that, I finished the episode and then I rewound and I think I watched him say to himself, "Stop." pooping in the mirror about 20 times <laughs> it's a good bit yeah. it's a good moment yeah it's um that and uh now i'm just thinking of like my favorite sitcom moments sure uh do you watch kimmy schmidt i love kimmy schmidt outside bones <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my favorite kimmy schmidt bit this year was when she watched the bunny and kitty video <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sang a little song about Bunny and Kitty. Yeah. Solving mysteries. Um <laughs> Outside Bones is the funniest sitcom song. Um The second funniest sitcom song is the funniest moment from community, which is the uh peanut bar rap. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was not sure what that was because community had a number of songs. Yeah, Dean Pelton's Yeah. No, I like uh one that I thought was really good i don't know if it was funny but was the uh the glee episode where they all wanted to go to regionals yeah <laughs> they gotta go to regionals regionals <laughs> yes. regionals are coming up <laughs> uh and annie sings like the sexy santa song oh to yeah. jeff and it's so gross and it just keeps getting worse <laughs> and she's like a baby santa yeah right? like in infantilizing like uh, <laughs> like because the the last line of that was like boopy doop 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 sex oh yeah that was not enjoyable whatsoever um Kimmy Schmidt has another one of those moments that I rewound a million times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think this is my, uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, you mentioned fresh off the boat earlier. Yes. Uh, which had the, the raisins. <laughs> <laughs> they used to be grapes. <laughs> this is, this is my, they used to be grapes moment. And it's from Kimmy Schmidt. And it's when, uh, the, <laughs> it's one of the episodes where they're at the courthouse Mm -hmm. and um, season one then season one yeah and uh one of the like the they uh, they adjourn or whatever like people are coming out the doors and it's a shot in the hallway outside the courtroom and one of the reporters like turns around from interviewing someone yeah 
And is like running down the hall with their microphone and they go, stop the presses. My panini can wait. <laughs> I can't like, I can't handle that. I think that's the funniest. I think that's the funniest joke. <laughs> Just the funniest dance like, down. I don't. No funnier jokes to be had. Because it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> no. Just funny. Like, stop the presses is vaguely related to what the reporter is doing. Yeah, because she's a reporter. Right. But, like, it's not a joke that needed to happen. It's not responding to anything. No. It's just... It's just funny. Stop the presses. My panini can wait. Be- because... Because <laughs> it's funny. Someone said that in the writer's room, and they were like, yeah, yep, throw that in there that. somewhere. <laughs> oh, That God. feels like a Tina Fey joke. Oh, yeah. 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 Um... I forgot what, what we were talking about. What did I, I derail ourselves from? 